All right. How y'all doing? Thank you, Andrew. Uh, we're gonna, one of the verses we're going to look at right at the end is Jeremiah 31.3. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, we're going to get there. It's going to be a long time, but it's a super cool verse. And so I want to just kind of give you the heads up. That's coming up, Jeremiah 31.3, kind of just a little bit. All right. We're talking about how we forgive ourselves. And this is a personal, kind of a personal topic for me because I, I don't know about anybody other than myself. Well, yeah, I guess I kind of do because the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. I know that trying to come to grips with the fact that I follow Jesus but I still sin, and not only do I follow Jesus but sometimes I sin really badly after following Christ, after making a commitment to Jesus and then not living up to the commitment, it has had a tendency in the past to really kind of weigh me down. And so this is sort of a personal, really a personal message that I kind of have to tell myself a lot of times. This is the deal with forgiving yourself. So I'm probably in this room not the only one that struggled with this whole notion of how do you forgive yourself. I prayed everybody that needs to hear this today come today. And so I'm glad that you're here. And if it doesn't apply to you, perhaps it's going to apply to somebody that you know. But this whole issue, it's, it's, a lot, it's kind of a misunderstanding, honestly, of what God does and how he does it. Misunderstandings, you, we have them all the time. Um, we can misunderstand an appointment. You know, uh, I thought it was at 11, but it, went, but it was at 2, or it was on this day, and I thought it was on that day. We have these misunderstandings all the time. And ladies, if you're married, um, by the way, Haley, who sang today, and Andrew was on the drums. Did you all know they were engaged? Did you announce that part? They're engaged. Yeah. Um, here, yeah, it's super good, yeah. So cute. Here's the thing about marriage, ladies, everybody, you're going to agree with this, or you may not, but here's what you need to know. You have this misunderstanding, because ladies will ask their husbands this question. What are you thinking about? What, what are you thinking about? And, and last week, a penny for your thoughts. What are you thinking about? And we say a lot of times, guys, what do we say? Nothing, nothing. Here's what the truth is. We're not thinking about anything, really, honestly. We, we're just really not that sharp, uh, you know. Um, so when we tell you we're not thinking about anything, it's true. Uh, we really aren't. And I know you don't like that answer, but that's kind of the truth. So just so you know, uh, sometimes we're not thinking about anything. Okay, so this misunderstanding in marriage. I'm going to give you um, an illustration of this, and then we're going to kind of jump into our topic today. But there was this, this um, imaginary journal. Right, these two journal entries from a wife and her husband. And this is the wife's journal, okay? This is her entry. Tonight my husband was acting weird. <laughs> uh, how many times has that been written in the world? Uh, we had more plans. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. Conversation wasn't flowing. So I suggested we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, um, he agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong, and he said nothing. I asked him if it was my fault <laughs> that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it was nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. <laughs> when we got home, he just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed but I still felt he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep and I don't know what to do. All right, that's tough. 
his journal entry. Rough day, boat wouldn't start, can't figure out why. So today we're talking about this idea of forgiving yourself. Like that is something that should be part of who we are as a follower of Jesus. Now, you have to understand, there's a starting point, and, and I mentioned this just a second ago. The Bible tells us all have sinned, everybody. So to your right, everybody on your right, you don't have to look at them, but kind of roll your eyes. You're over there, sinners, sinners, everybody in front of you, sinners, except uh, everywhere, you know, everywhere. So everywhere you look, everywhere around, front, back, side to side, they're all sinners. Everybody's a sinner. And so this is the nice thing is to at least, you have to know where your starting point is, okay? The starting point is that we're all sinners. Now, there's sins, sins of commission and sins of omission. So sins of commission would be when you do something you know you shouldn't do. You know, that's thou shalt not steal, but you steal. Okay, that's, that's sins of commission. And then there are sins of omission. These are things I know I should do, but I don't do. Turn the other cheek, that kind of thing. So uh, there are these rules in the Bible, and we look at them and we see them, and then we say, okay, I don't do all of those. And when we sin, there seems to be a disruption of relationship with God. Now, there are times in marriage where... Um, one of the parties will do something and, and it will be something disruptive. And maybe it's just internally disruptive. And the other piece, person doesn't even know it or realize it or whatever, but you're kind of pent up inside about these things. So we have to understand there can be disruption in relationship, but God is always, always, always for us. Let's look at our verse, our, our Jeremiah 31, 3 verse, because it's a cool verse. We'll come back to it in a bit, but this is cool. The Lord appeared to us in past saying. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, let's do the word. Everlasting means what? It's now, right? It's past. It's present. It's future. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, right? And then he says, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Here's a reality that we really need to get a hold of. There's nothing I can do to cause God to love me more. And there's nothing I can do to cause God to love me less. Because God's love for me is not based on my actions. It's based on His character. Okay? Got that? I can't do anything. You can't do anything to cause Him to love me more. Because he loves me already with an everlasting love. He loves you already with an everlasting love. And I can't do anything, and you can't do anything, to cause him to love you less. Because he loves us with an everlasting love. His love for us is set. It's not dependent on my actions. This is really important to understand. Now, I heard this incredibly sad story. Um, you know I'm a big fan of poetry, right? You know that, right? Love me some poetry. You got your Billy Shakespeare and um, uh, Dr. Seuss. Uh, you know, I, I'm really, love me some poetry. And I'm sure there are others. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I don't know. Um, and there was that Hickory Dickory Doc. I always liked that growing up. So uh, 
love me some poetry. Well, there's this poet by the name of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She wrote, how do I love thee, let me count the ways. You know, and guys, if you ever want, you know, like to woo your gal, uh, she's a go-to. Okay, she's a go-to. Now, the sad story about Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and I'm not reading all that because it's just too much. Uh, but um, her daddy's name was Mr. Barrett. Y'all, y'all getting that right? I, I forget. I, I have it. Edward. Edward. Now, her mother had died. Edward Browning was a widower. He did not, uh, uh, Edward Barrett was a widower. He did not approve of her marriage to Mr. Browning. And so when Elizabeth Barrett was married, he disowned her. Uh, It's just really a sad story. And she wanted relationship with her father. And so nearly every week, she would write him a letter expressing her affection, her admiration for her dad, her desire to be reconciled once a week, every week, she would mail a letter to her dad. Sadly, after 10 years, she received a package, a box, filled with these letters that her dad had never opened. And he had just mailed them back. God is nothing like that. He doesn't harbor a grudge. He is, in fact, here's something to remember. He is quick to forgive He is eager to reconcile. We see it in the story of the prodigal son. God allows us to make choices. He is a wonderful father. We get to choose. He gives us freedom. We can make bad choices. We can learn from bad choices. In the story of the prodigal son that Jesus told, this amazing short story, he tells the story of a young man who gets his inheritance early and leaves for a foreign land and squanders all of his wealth on wild living, and then when he makes one move to come home, when he makes one step toward home, when he gets within eyesight of the Father, the Father runs to him. This is our Heavenly Father. We can do nothing to cause Him to love us more. We can do nothing to cause Him to love us less because His love is for us is based on His character, not our actions. And so... There's there's this text in Scripture. I love it. If we say we've not sinned, we're only deceiving ourselves. It's just not true. We we know ourselves enough. We can maybe fool others, but we can't fool ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. And the truth isn't in our hearts. But if we confess our sin to God, He can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. He is eager to reconcile and quick to forgive. So, We talked about this verse last week. Let's chat about it just for a second. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And that would be people who are weighed down with either sin or with, I've sinned and asked forgiveness, but I I feel bad about myself. To me, that's wearisome. And that's a heavy burden. And I understand what that feels like. And Jesus said, If you have this wearisomeness, and this heavy burden that you're carrying, then you come to me and I'm going to give you rest. And rest is is a beautiful word. If you've worked and if you've struggled and if if you've tried to win God's favor with your actions, 
as if it could be done. Or if you've tried and failed, or if you've failed, and you just are worn out today. Good news. Jesus says, come to me. It's not about your work. It's not about what you do. Here's what's super interesting to me. Not everybody wants to be helped. You, you can have rest if you want. Our relationship with God, we choose. Anytime, any moment, right now. If I want a great relationship with God, I can have it right this moment. Because he wants it. It's not like I have to win God's favor. I have to talk him into it. He wants to help us. But do you, you know this? You've been around people. Not everybody wants you to help them. I heard about this story. It's an apocryphal story about a faith healing service in the mountains of Kentucky. You know, that's where they handle snakes and stuff. Uh, so uh, we're going to introduce that next week. It's going to be awesome. And I uh, just want you to know, it should have a big crowd. Um, in the mountains of Kentucky, they do this snake handling thing. And they had one of these services, right? And the guy, the faith healer guy, he was, really, he was tearing it up. He was doing great. And there were three guys that kind of stumbled in. They really didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They sat on the back row just kind of watching a little bit. And the faith healer guy comes off stage and walks to the back. And you know, you know how that would be if that was you? Because you, it's like, I don't know what's going on. You kind of stiffen up. And he looks at one of the guys, one of the three friends, and he says, Friend, is there anything I can do for you? The guy said, well, you know, I'm walking with a cane. I, I took some shrapnel in, in uh, Operation Desert Storm. I haven't walked straight since. The, and the, the preacher took the cane, and he runs up to the front of the church, and he throws it in the baptistry. So if we had a baptistry, it would be right there. Uh, we may put one right up on top here. Uh, and uh, uh, threw it in the baptistry. And as soon as the cane hit the baptistry, the guy straightened up. He could walk. Everybody's clapping. It's awesome. Yes! Next guy over, he says, brother, is there anything I can do for you? Guy's like, well, and he's got these like Coke bottle glasses, you know, kind of like mine. And he said, I haven't been able to see since I was little. And the preacher took his glasses, kind of ripped them off his head, head ran into the front, and threw them in the baptistry. As soon as they hit the water, the guy could see. Everybody's clapping. Guy, he goes back, the preacher goes back to the guy, back row, the other third friend. He says, man, what can I do for you? The dude says, no, man, I'm just started collecting disability. So uh, I really, I, I'm, I'm good. Because not everybody wants to be helped. Not everybody wants it. So if you want a relationship, you can have it. This is the great thing about God. He loves us. Can't do anything to win his approval. You've already won his approval. You can't do anything to, to, to make him turn his back on you. He will not do that. He's not going to do it. There are these cool verses in, in, in Scripture. They're all over the place. I picked three. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. You'll be merciful to us once again. You will trample our sins underfoot and send them to the bottom of the sea. And one more. I have taken away your wrongdoing like a dark cloud and your sins like a fog. Return to me for I have brought you, I have bought you and set you free. The problem is, if... He has taken my sins and put them on the ocean floor. And if he has wiped away my sins like a fog, and if he has separated me from my sins as far as the east is from the west, then why do I still remember them? I mean, I sin and I ask forgiveness and then I, I, I still remember them. And, and there seems to be this voice in my spirit sometimes that reminds me of the things I've already been forgiven for. 
I've already been forgiven of these things, except in my, in my, in my consciousness, occasionally, I'll hear this whisper, remember? I don't want to remember. We have this idea somehow that we're able to forgive and forget. We, we put that together a lot. The scriptures doesn't put that together, by the way. But we put that together. I can forgive, I want to forgive, and forget. Now, let me make something perfectly clear. God absolutely forgives us of our sins when we ask. That first text we looked at, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe that to the core of my spirit. If we ask, he forgives. I believe it with everything I have. I don't have any doubt about that. I believe that God is able to separate my sin as far as the east is from the west. And he's able to take it to the ocean floor. And he's able to wipe it away like the fog on a sunny day. I believe those things. The problem is, nowhere in Scripture does it say, I can forget. And maybe I shouldn't forget. And I'm going to tell you why in just a couple of minutes. Here's the deal. Forgiving is the function of the brain. Um, forgetting is the function of the brain. Forgiving is the function of the spirit. I, I'm not wired to forget. Let me show you something. There's a book by Chuck Lynch titled, I Should Forgive But. And this is what he writes. Um, all memories are stored in the brain by electronic impulses and by chemical transference. Messages are sent simultaneously from nerve to nerve, both electronically and chemically. Memory is not a spiritual function. It's a biological function. Our brain, now get this, this is amazing. Our brain can store at least 600 memories a second. I can't remember where I put my keys, but this is the truth. That works out to about 1.5 trillion bits of information by the time I'm 75 years old. 1.5 trillion bits of information. The truth of the matter is we're not wired to forget. We're just not. And here's something we have to remember. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about forgiving yourself. Because I've not offended myself. When I sin, I offend somebody holy. His name is God. <laughs> Yahweh, God. I, I offended God. He's the one I have offended, so he's the one that forgives. The person you offend is the one that forgives. So we're, the Bible doesn't talk about forgiving yourself. Here's the, here's the real issue. Am I going to feel guilty or am I going to feel full of grace? Guilt or grace? I, gotta, I have to choose. Which am I going to have? Now, let me point out a couple things here. The results of guilt, it kills my spiritual life. And look what it says in Psalms. It, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. It's what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. What did they do? Well, the first thing they did was they hid. And when we sin and when we don't confess and when we know that's part of our lives, we hide. We don't go to church. We don't contact our Christian friends. We kind of stay away from people. And, and God never intended for that to happen. But it ruins our spiritual life. The second thing about guilt is its focus is misplaced. In Hebrews it says, let us keep looking to Jesus. He is, uh, our faith comes from him, and he is the one who makes our faith perfect. Let, let me, tell me who the focus is of this sentence. I don't feel good about myself. Who's the focus? Me, right? 
What about this one? I can't seem to forgive myself. It's, it's me-focused. But this text tells us that our focus should be on Jesus. See, forgiving, forgiveness isn't about you. Forgiveness is about what God has done for you. It's, it's wildly different. So we have to make sure our focus is in the right place. Now here, I'm going to tell you something revolutionary. You may not have ever thought about this before. Remembering our sins can have advantages. And I'll tell you how. There's a cool text. Let me show you this text. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is, this is a commandment. This is something that we can do. Take captive every thought. Okay, so let's go back to our... Uh, I think about things I've done in the past that I've been forgiven for, but I can't seem to forget them, right? So um, I'll give you an example. There was a guy in high school when I was um, 16 years old, let's say, and his name was Bill. And Bill, Bill was a kid that lots of people picked on just because of his looks. And I joined in. It bothers me to this day, it bothers me, that I didn't take up for Bill. And more than that, I, I joined in. It was more than just not saying stop it. It was, I was part of that. I, st I still remember that. Y'all, that's 40 years ago. I mean, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember being on the bleachers. I remember the spot. I remember this. But our verse says, if we take captive every thought, every time it comes to my mind, I pray for Bill. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. I have no idea. But I'm telling you this. I probably play, prayed for Bill more than anybody in my, in, when I was in high school. All of my friends back then, I don't remember any of them. I remember Bill, and I pray for him a lot because I think about him a lot. There's something to be said for taking captive every thought. And then I think to myself, I'm never going to do that again. I've asked forgiveness. I've been forgiven. I'm never going to do that again. Help me never do that again. So remembering helps me. And I'm going to tell you how a couple ways. Number one, it helps me create a thankful spirit. When I remember all that God has forgiven me of, all the things he's forgiven me for, it helps me, it reminds me to be more thankful. Look at what it says here. Now, the guy that writes this text is a guy named Paul. We talk about him often here. Paul was a guy who, he was against Christianity as much as you could be against anything in, in the world. He, he was Jewish. And he, he saw Christianity as a threat to Judaism. And he was zealous for God, and he loved God, and he was zealous for the law. And when Christians started to become popular, he was against them to the point of trying to, <laughs> to kill them. All right? So it's this guy who then has this amazing conversion to Christ that writes these words. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord because he trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. He gives me strength. In the past, 
I spoke against Christ and persecuted him and did things to hurt him. In the past, I remember these things. I remember when I used to throw men, women, and children who followed Jesus into, into jail. I remember having orders to go and, and harass Christians. I remember that. I remember it. But God gave me mercy. I thank Christ Jesus the Lord because He trusted me. <laughs> he forgave me. I still remember this horrible stuff I did. Leading some to die. I mean, seriously. Paul uh, had part in people's death. It's not like this cat was lily white. And yet, he says, I, re I remember that. I remember it. However, however, I thank Christ Jesus. I thank Him uh, for trusting me and for allowing me to serve and for having mercy on me. It's a beautiful verse. It's beautiful. See, and look what it says in Acts 3. Paul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. This was the man. And he remembered those things. See, Jesus one time said, cool verse. He said, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And those who have been forgiven little, love little. So when we remember how much he has forgiven us, when we remember the debt that's been paid, it increases our thankfulness. First of June, there's a lady by the name of Alice Johnson. She was in prison in Alabama, I believe, for over 20 years. And she was pardoned uh, by the president. In fact, one of the Kardashians went to the White House. <laughs> That's so weird. Uh, anyway, um, and, and advocates. This is really a kind of cool story. She goes to the White House to advocate for Alice Johnson, who'd been in prison for over 20, like 22 years. 96, I think, is when she went into prison. And he, uh, President Trump, issued a pardon. Now, this has nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with any of that. What I want to ask you is this question. Do you think Alice Johnson has an appreciation for Kim Kardashian, who was her advocate? I would say yes, right? I would say, what is, does, she, does she sing? Does she do anything? No? She has a television show, right? She's fashion-y? Okay, we'll go with that. Um, all right. So if I'm Alice Johnson and Kim Kardashian has a line of clothing, I am going to wear everything Kim Kardashian I can buy, right? I don't even care if it doesn't fit. I'm going to buy that because I owe her, right? And I, just a question. Do you think Alice Johnson has an affection for the person who pardoned her? I would say yes, right? I don't care what, what political party she is from. I would think she has an affection for the one who's pardoned her. Here's the point. When we are forgiven, and we are, when we are forgiven much, we can love much. And when we remember how much we've been forgiven, we have this now ability To not only forgive others, but to appreciate the forgiveness that we've received. Another advantage of remembering God's forgiveness is it keeps me, it keeps me grounded. 
keeps me grounded. Let me tell you this story. I love this little story. There was a, a woman, she was found guilty of uh, speeding. So she's in traffic court, and the judge is there. Have y'all, anybody ever been to court? <laughs> Come on. Uh, you know, not have you been there for, you know, like, they're, like you got arrested. I, I'm just saying, have you ever been, have you ever seen court on television? All right, anybody? Okay. Good grief. All right. Uh, we call that lying. Uh, anyway, okay, all right. So, the judge sits high and lifted up, right? He has a black robe on, and when he comes in, the bailiff says what? All rise. Right. So everybody rises, and you go. And they'll tell you, turn your phones off, or we're going to, you know, like, tase you, that, that kind of stuff. And so the judge standing there, and this woman who has a speeding ticket stands before him, and so they're having that conversation that they have. How fast were you going? And your ticket says you're going 60 and a 45 or whatever. How do you plead? Well, I plead guilty. And so the judge says, <laughs> what do you do for a living? And she says, I'm a school teacher. He stands up, right? He says, madam, I have waited 30 years for a school teacher to stand in front of me. Sit at that table and write, I will not speed 500 times. <laughs> Payback. That's beautiful. Now, we have to stay grounded. Look what it says in 1 Timothy. What I say is true, and you should fully accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And listen what he's... Now, this is one of the greatest Christians who ever walked the planet. We wish we had the zeal for Christ that this guy has. Yet he's able to say, I am the worst of those sinners. You know what happened to him? He remembered, I think he kind of constantly remembered that he had been forgiven of so much. That, that he had done so many vile and wicked things. And that Jesus loved him anyway and forgave him anyway. And that God was eager to forgive and to restore. And I think it just sort of stayed with him. That man, if God can save me, he can save anybody. Which leads me to the third point. And that is, when I remember God's forgiveness, it can be used as an example for others. I love infomercials. I love them. My favorite, I mean, if there was an infomercial channel, I would watch that. I love them. There's that, that, that uh, stuff you spray that seals holes, right? I love that, right? Um, you could saw a boat in half, right? And you tape it. That is so cool. And uh, there's, um, like, you want to cook something really fast, you can have your own nuclear reactor at home. That's awesome. You stick it in, two seconds later, you know, your steak is finished. It's great. And, and you see these infomercials. I love infomercials. And there's, you know, um, somebody will come on, they'll say, I lost 45 pounds while sleeping, you know, with the sleep-away tabs and... And you know it's not true, but inside you're going, mm, that would be sweet. I mean, you know, and I love them. Oh, they, sometimes they say, this is the greatest, oh, advertisers, they are smart. If you have too much weight loss, cut back on the dosage. It's like, ha ha, that's great, that's great. So if I take two, that means if I take six, I'll be like a, a three. I mean, it's awesome, right? It's awesome. Love infomercials. I love the one, remember those um, um, obsessed with phonics or whatever that was, and the kid would come on and say, I'm three, but I can read at college level. I love those, right? Or um, 
The, the hair restoration guys, you know, I, I was born bald, but now I have hair. I, I love those. Everybody loves those. I used this detergent, and, you know, I was in a mud pit for 27 years, but now look at my clothes. They're sparkling clean. There's that one where that girl has that uh, wedding in a barn, you know, and she puts it in the, you know, the oxy-turbo stuff, you know, and it comes out clean, and you're, and you kind of, you're skeptical, but you know what happens? Hope. Hope happens. Because you're thinking... Ain't no way I could take a pill and lose weight, but I'm ordering me some. You know, that's what you think. That's what you're thinking. Because everybody needs a little hope. Okay. So when I have been forgiven, even when I remember what I did wrong, if Jesus can forgive me of that, I bet he can forgive other people of that. Again, Paul writes... I was given mercy so that in me, the worst of all sinners, Christ Jesus, could show that he has patience without limits. If you have a Bible and you want to underline that, that's a really cool verse. Jesus Christ could show that he has patience without limits. His patience with me made me an example for those who would believe in him and have life Forever. I became, he basically says, an infomercial for Christ. Here's the deal. If remembering what I did wrong, that God forgave me for this, I don't have to wallow in it. It's not wallowing, I'm just remembering. If it makes me more thankful, if it makes me more humble, if it makes me more real, if it makes me more focused on God, then let me remember. I'm going to give you kind of a stupid example and then I'm going to read our Jeremiah verse again. We'll be done. My birthday's coming up in November. And I know you all are always looking for something to give me. I know that. So uh, I'm going to help you. Let's say this year you're thinking to yourself, man, we would love to give him a great, great gift. My birthday's November 13th. Well, November 17th, Kentucky, University of Kentucky basketball plays Duke. <laughs> right? Now... It's in Chicago. Good seats are going for about $9.75 a pop. Uh, $9.74.87 to be exact. Now, you're saying to yourself, I'm sure right now, we ought to send him. I appreciate that. But if I go, I want the whole family. So uh, you're going to have six of those tickets, about 1000 bucks a pop. And if you're flying me to Chicago, you're going to want me to go first class. I mean, you are. And so... Uh, you're going to buy us all six first-class tickets uh, to Chicago. And we ain't staying in no uh, Motel 6. I mean, you're going to want to put us up down at the Ritz or something, if that's there. Uh, you're going to want to put us up, right? Now, let's say one Sunday, the Sunday before the basketball game, whatever Sunday that is, November you know, 6th or something, you say, Pastor, we have a gift for you. And you come up on stage, and, and here, here are the tickets the, the airline tickets and the reservations at the, the Ritz and uh, the six basketball tickets. Here you go. Um, we want to give you this gift. Now, how would you feel if I said, you know, I can't take that. I don't deserve that. Me and prayer breakfast the other day, I, I slept while we were praying. You know, uh, really, I don't, I don't deserve it, right? I... The sermon's kind of been a little flat, and I had somebody mad at me, and um, 
I'm going to say no. You're offering me something amazing. And I would say no. And Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdens and I can give you rest. And this <laughs> gift is amazing. It's amazing. It, it's yours. For the taking. You just have to take it. Why would you say no? There's nothing you can do that will make him love you more. And there's nothing you can do that will make him love you less. Because his love for you is not based on your action. It's based on his character. Let me read our verse one more time. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I have loved you. You might need to hear this today. I have loved you with an everlasting love. We're going to pray. In just a second, we're going to take up an offering. And, and then things kind of, we just kind of go our own way most of the time. But I want you to know, if you've never said yes to this gift, I'd love to chat with you about that. There's no better gift. To be forgiven, to have freedom, You're not going to forget everything you've ever done, but you can be forgiven for everything you've ever done. And then when you remember, you remember to be thankful and to be humble and to be real and to be focused on what God has done for you. So we've got a couple of things that are going to go on right now. We're going to pray. We're going to take up an offering. I'm going to give a couple of announcements. But at the end of that, I'm going to stand right here. When this thing is closed, we're going to have some folks over here. If you need somebody to pray with you, we're going to have some people over here to pray with you. God brought you here today for a reason. I have no doubt about that. So get everything today that he wants you to have. Father, we are humbled and honored that you love us so much that we can do nothing so bad that you would turn your back on us. And we don't have to win your favor. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. And I pray, God, that you would draw us closer to you. So that we might enjoy that freedom. That, um, that life that you promise. Of rest. We can rest in you. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for Jesus and what he did for us. And we pray, God, that you might draw us closer to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.